And welcome back to the Blue Corner. My name is Dennis and today's guest is a very special guest. He's uh, a practitioner of many martial arts, uh, traditional martial arts. Uh, he's been doing that for probably the past 30 years. Um, and he's also the uh, founder and president of FACAR, which is uh, Fighters Against Child Abuse Australia, which I'm sure we'll get into. But um, let's uh, introduce him straight up. His name is Adam Washbourne. And how have you been doing over these last couple of months? Man, this has been the craziest few months of my life. Um, it's been absolutely awesome and challenging as, but I tell you what, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, so um, when, when, when you say it's been uh, challenging, what, what are some of the challenges that you've had? Well, as you said, I run Fighters Against Child Abuse Australia. Um, we've got uh, about 125 pre-approved schools that we can send survivors of child abuse of any kind and their immediate non-offending family members down to. And just with the gyms being shut, we've just been like run off our feet trying to get people support, trying to get people help trying to organize people to do online counseling online chats um just trying to fill the void that the gyms used to fill and the martial arts clubs used to fill so i guess um obviously it, it is fighters against child abuse australia and 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 before we get dive right into that yeah. I, I i just want to bring up obviously your past and history so yeah you know you you've obviously um spent a lot of time uh, in, in the martial arts sector, um, uh, as, as I said in the intro, uh, the traditional martial arts. What, what is your background when it comes to the martial arts? Wow, I'm going to sound really old here, but that's totally cool. Um, when I was like four years old, my old man decided that I had to learn to defend myself. And so he put me in a local, it was like freestyle taekwondo back in the day. Um, he found an old mate of his that he went to high school with and, and threw me in in the deep end, literally. And I've been doing martial arts ever since. Um, I was hooked from day one and, you know, ever since then I've just been training in di various disciplines going through and I just haven't stopped. It's just my lifestyle. And w when you say your, your father had to put you into martial arts, what was the reasoning behind that? Because I know, like, everyone has their own, like, some people just want a little bit of discipline for their children. Um some people, I guess, uh, put them in because maybe some bullying at school. Um, and, and some people do them also to keep their children, I guess, out of trouble. Um, what, what was your father's reasoning behind trying to put you into the martial arts? All of the above. Um, he wanted the self-defense. He wanted me to know how to look after myself. He never had to, wanted to have to worry about me. We grew up on, like, sort of suburban streets where there was, you know, families would just it, – it'd be fights every, every weekend – and he wanted to know that I'd get out of there okay. Uh, he wanted the discipline. He wanted me not to fight. He, he literally put me in there so I wouldn't fight um, because I was scrapping as a really young kid. I, I was always kind of getting in scraps and he, he didn't like that at all. So he thought martial arts might give me the discipline and the outlet. And just like you said, the self-confidence as well. Um, he always, always had that in his head that I would be a martial artist um, because he watched his his mate from high school grow up as a martial artist and he just definitely wanted that for me so yeah which is funny because uh, literally i always tell people that exact same thing like most people learn to fight so they don't have 100%. to right it, it, it's yeah. crazy like you learn to fight so you don't have Absolutely. to and and i think it's because the confidence a bit but like 
you feel like you've got more control in the scenario. I, I find a lot of the times it's when people don't know how to fight, they get backed into the Absolutely. corner and they start swinging. Absolutely. And and it's a problematic area, but it, it, it's just so funny to, to, to have that, right? That yeah. um, it, it, it kind of goes against everything that the outside person looking in would kind of yeah. see. Absolutely. And I mean, I always tell the people that I teach, you're not going to get attacked on the street by a, by a fighter of any level. You're not going to get attacked by someone throwing a double jab cross or a roundhouse. You're going to get attacked by a big right haymaker that's trying to take your head clean off. And no, no skill, no discipline, they're just going to throw. And yeah, absolutely. You never find the, the trained fighters on the street brawling. Well, yeah, yeah, no. Um, I don't know if you've been keeping up. Uh, I think it was last week. Mike, Mike Perry got into a little bit of trouble. Um, yeah. So, so you do get the odd, <laughs> odd, true. odd person that whether there's alcohol involved or whatnot. But look, at, at, at the end of the day, um, majority of people um, hold themselves back, and I and I think it's also I I don't know how correct it is, but I also got told that once you become a fighter and 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 you're registered as a fighter, it suddenly becomes a, a whole bigger charge from, you know, assault to assault with a deadly we a weapon because once you're a fighter, it, it basically means that your fists now become deadly weapons, right, because you are actually registered um, as, as a professional fighter. So I, I think... Yeah, I, I've actually had a conversation with a police officer, a friend of mine that I do an anti-bullying program with about that, and he said that there's no official charge for a deadly weapon but the judge will look harsher upon a trained fighter than they will look upon someone who's untrained um and but there's no like extra assault with a deadly weapon or anything you can add they can add an aggravated charge on top of it if the judge feels like you're of such a level and such a caliber that you're a threat and that you should have held back um but yeah i've got a few cop of friends of mine that I've actually reached out to and, and asked that and they said you can definitely cop an aggravated charge okay as as a trained quote unquote professional okay and so what are some of your your favorite martial arts and and obviously you got a a, a black belt in mm -hmm. in a few of them yeah um, so what what are the ones that you enjoy the most and and I guess what are the ones that you teach uh, the most of so I teach Hapkido at KMA, which is a traditional Korean self-defense-based martial art. Uh, we use the belt-based system, um, which I'm... Look, I'm a huge fan of belts for kids. I know a lot of people say that they're unnecessary. And maybe for adults, I don't really know. I, I still find them great for adults too. But um, especially for kids, because that sense of achievement and the goal setting, you, a lot of schools have only just now started to teach goal setting, which is just crazy to me. Um, I think every kid should be on a monthly, weekly, yearly goal. And that's what martial arts will set up for them. And so we we literally have boards where we write down, okay, so you're a green belt, you're going to go for your blue belt here and and so on and so forth. Um, and that's the, the main style that I teach. I also teach Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at KMA and kickboxing. Um, just And look, all are, all are traditional martial arts, all are self-defense based and... You know, the kickboxing is obviously a little bit more for the fighters that want to get in there and scrap. But um, the, the BJJ is, is, is very self-defense based. And as you know yourself, it's got a traditional belt rank and stuff like that. So, yeah, it took me about 12 years to get a black belt in that. So that's probably my favorite, I'd say, because, I mean, it's just the one that I've done for the longest. I've, I've been doing 
BJJ for about 15 years. So, yeah. Okay. And with KMA, I mean, there's some real, I guess, beasts that have come out of KMA. Um, Is there an update on, obviously, what I like to consider our, our first champ champ? Champ, champ. Uh, that uh, came out of KMA, right? With Martin. Martin Newman, um, yeah. Is, uh, is there any sort of updates you can give us with him? And also, what's what's happening with Theo? Because I know Theo was on a bit of a roll as well. Um, yeah. But I, I haven't heard much about him of recent. Yeah, so Martin and KMA parted ways. Uh, Martin hooked up with Henry Hooft and the... Um, I, th- I think they're calling themselves Hooft Kickboxing now. I'm not really sure. So is he based... Overseas now? So yeah, he's he's, he, he does all his camps overseas now. Um, and look, they're a team of absolute assassins. They've got some name among names. They've got like Ong Lo Song, Gilbert Melendez. They've got titles on titles over there. And, I, you know, we wish not Martin nothing but the best. You know, he, he learned to walk on the KMA mats and he's learned to fly in, um, in America, which is amazing, which is so good to see. And, um, yeah, Theo, he's, wow, he was another one who learned to walk on the KMA mats. Um, I remember Theo's first session and I remember, I, and I'm, you know, we, we got into an absolute war and now I wouldn't dare get into a war with Theo, he'd deck me. But he's another one, he was taught, you know, fight mentality, he was taught the discipline, he, was, he really absorbed the culture of KMA well and he shone with it. And, yeah, and, but I'll tell you now, that guy has the most underrated ground game in all of Australian MMA. He's a monster, absolute monster. But, yeah, he's doing, um, he's doing his own thing now, which is, which is great. And, once again, wish him nothing but the best. Yeah, nice. Well, I, I, I do think he will eventually get the call up. I, he, he was always one of those ones that I looked at. Look, the, the two, and, and just to give a bit of history, we, yeah. we all went through brace and stuff like that yeah, at, yeah. at the time. Absolutely. Uh, rest, rest in peace, I guess. Oh. Um, but, you know, it was Theo and, and Jamie Malarkey that I always said, these two are going to get the call up, right? 100%. And and Jamie Malarkey obviously did um, yeah. last October. Yeah. Uh, and and even got fight of the night. Yeah, uh, which which was kind of crazy. Brad um, Riddell, what a what a brawl! What, what a what a brawl that was, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I I do think Theo will eventually, and that's why I was kind of asking because yeah. I was like, oh, why has he been so quiet? Because I I kind of thought he was going to make some real noise. Um, but back to you. So the I I guess where we'll go with you as well is uh, somewhere along the line. Um, you developed uh, or, or founded uh, FACA, yep. which is the Fighters Against yep. Child Abuse Australia. Yep. Um, and that was in 2010, so happy 10th anniversary, first and foremost. Thanks, mate. What um, so can you give us a little bit of history on, on, on FACA and, so, and what it stands for? Yeah, and cool. All right, so Fighters Against Child Abuse Australia um, is the acronym. And essentially, we're here for one reason and one reason only, and that's to end child abuse in Australia. I've worked as my, as you know, my day job, I guess you could call it, as a child abuse counsellor, a child trauma counsellor. I've worked with the FACS teams, the JERT teams. Um, I've, I've worked with the worst of the worst. And the one thing that I keep getting is the modern sort of counselling wasn't really working, the modern sort of sit-down have a chat with someone who you've never met and uh, they'll ask you how you feel and how did that make you feel and how did that make you feel? And anyone that's been through it will, will be like, that was just ridiculous. You know, it, I don't feel any better. And so I was working out of a, 
wow, this is going back a while. In about 2000, I was working at Riverwood Community Centre, which is this tiny, I don't know if you know Riverwood at all, it's like, yep. it had a bad rep. And we were in there as, and I was a team of, part of a team of counsellors. And I'd go on the basketball courts and just shoot hoops with them. For the record, I can't play basketball to save my life. But I'd be out there talking to them while I'd be shooting, you know, and getting my butt kicked by 12-year-olds. And, um, you know, they, they kind of started to talk to me more, started to talk to me more. And eventually one of them, you know, started saying, okay, can we go have a chat somewhere? And that would be how we'd do it. And I found that just activities, pers- you know, getting them moving was far more effective than sitting them down on a couch or sitting them in a chair and saying, you know, this is how it's done. And, um, yeah, fast forward to about 2007 and I'm working out as a heavyweight with a, with a bunch of big boys getting, getting bashed nicely, realising that I'm not meant to be a heavyweight <laughs> for the record. Um, and, yeah, there's a, there was a kid watching us train and he had a couple of, couple of busted up face and I, I went, hey, man, you want to come learn something? And so I just gave him my, my gloves and showed him how to hit a bag and... and um, it just kind of, he kept coming back. He kept coming back. I kept saying, I'll be here Friday, come out, you know. And I'd meet him early and I'd teach him some basic moves. And I was a karate kid back then. I was a, I was a GKR instructor of all things. And so I'd just teach him basics. And then um, I said to the instructor out there, look, hey, I'll copy his fees. Just, just sign them to me. And he went, no, 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 I won't have that. And, you know, then the running joke, oh, you should be in every city, you know. And so I just literally, I, I, I started a Facebook page and I started talking to everyone that I'd befriended over the years, everyone that I kept in contact with. And I said, hey guys, you know, let's do something. Let's actually get some help going. And um, everyone was on board and, and the, the, the response was overwhelming. It went from like, like 10 people to 1,000 in two or three weeks. And everyone was saying the same things. Uh, we need help, we need legal change, we need this, we need that. And so I literally Googled how to make a charity. <laughs> word for word, how do I make a charity? And I, I started to, to do that and then I started getting calls from, from Jert team, people that I used to work with. Hey, I heard you're doing this, can you, can you help this kid out? And I'm like, yep, go see Fari at KMA or go see rick at wing chun go see you know damien on the gold coast he, he's at southern cross check him out you know and tell them adam sent you and they'll know what to do and that was literally how it happened and it was it was all very organic and before i knew it we were sitting there and and i was in the state parliament um sitting before a committee nervous as shadow boxing in the halls of state parliament and scaring security guards <laughs> And my, my, my poor partner's running around going, no, this is what he does. It's okay. It's okay. He's not actually going to attack you. And um, they, were, they were, okay, you're up next. So they walked me in and I had to speak before state parliament. And um, I don't know if you've ever been there. It's like this big speaker and you're standing there going, um, wow, there's a lot of you. And they're all in suits and they're all looking bored. And so I just started talking and by the end of it, I'd started a raucous debate about um, public uh, public register for child abuse, um, child abusers, and they were going off at each other, and I'm sitting back on, what have I done? Have I just have I broken a rule? <laughs> and that's literally how organic it is, and literally everything that we've done, we've done because someone has come to us and said, hey, this needs to happen. 
or hey, my kid's been bullied in school. Can you do something? Can you run an anti-bullying program? Um, okay, cool. So I just went down to our local police station and said, "Can I speak to the youth worker?" And I was like, "Okay, yeah, let's do this. That sounds great. You know, you want to teach martial arts? We'll we'll give a talk on bullying, and we'll combine our forces and and we'll get you in there." So on that, do you, do you deal a lot with the uh, PCYC? So not with the PCYC. Um, the PCYC and the police are actually separate units now. Okay. Um, I wasn't aware and, until they, I said, oh, let's just use the PCYC. And they said, no, nah, they'll charge us an arm and a leg. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, but so we use the local police youth liaison officers. Um, there's a few of them around. Uh, the bigger stations all have one. And, for example, Tony Ha at Liverpool is just one of the greatest police officers I've ever seen. Um, the man is just all action. He's about five foot nothing and will literally walk into a school with riot gear on to get their attention just and just start bashing on the shield or something fun. And um, an absolutely amazing man. And he his work is, is second to none. He just doesn't stop. And so he was the one that came and said, okay, let's do this. Let's get into schools. And now we're in about four schools in Liverpool. We're about to expand down into Wollongong and Melbourne as well. As soon as all this COVID drama settles down, we'll be, we'll be opening up in Melbourne very shortly. So, yeah. Nice. And when it, when it came to naming the organisation, um, was it always uh, – and, and I guess the only reason I ask is the whole um, – public opinion yeah um and and we're not talking about 2020 now we're talking about 2010 yes um having the word fighter in there was was, was that was that do you think beneficial or did it work against you not and the only reason i say that is like you know you go back 20 years people used to say human cockfighting this and that and and, and and it just i mean rugby sometimes even has a bad reputation 100%. right you're like rugby meatheads or whatever so I guess, yeah. Where where was your thought behind putting it? Because I, I kind of, you know, you know what I'm trying to say, 100%. right? Where where you're going fighters, but you're trying to fight um, public stigma, stigma, right? Yeah. And 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 so like, how did that work? Like, was it always going to have that fighter in in the branding, or was there a moment where you're kind of like, oh, maybe maybe this is actually working against us? Oh, there's been a lot of moments where it's worked against us. Um, there's been a there's been a lot of times where people have used it against us, um, like you know, different companies, different people saying different things. That they're just a bunch of thug fighters. They're just a bunch of vigilantes. We get that word thrown around all the time, and we do post after post trying to educate people that vigilantism is incredibly bad for our cause. It puts our cause back ten years every time. Like there's a video of a of a child abuser getting punched out in public. It puts our cause back decades because we're fighting for a public register um well i'm a big believer that they have to be named and just if if no other reason than in the, the american model where you know you, you don't trick-or-treat in these houses something as simple as that can really save you know a child's life and vigilantism is just the worst thing on the planet um for our cause and so yeah absolutely fighters the name has kind of worked against us but it's who we are it's a definition of what we're doing and it's a mission statement as well. The name, the mission is in the name, we will fight. And it, the thing is a lot of the mums and dads come on board and they say, oh, I don't really feel like a fighter. And I, I say, well, yeah, you are. You're a fighter. 
you don't have to get in the ring and scrap to be a fighter. You have to stand up and, and say enough is enough. I will not tolerate this. And that's the definition of fighting. You know, that's where the greatest battles have been fought is when people stand up and they, they say, we're not going to take this anymore. We're going to fight back. And, you know, the, it can be as simple as signing a petition. We had 175,000 people sign a petition to say that a, a certain priest, a certain judge, sorry, couldn't, couldn't practice in a criminal court anymore because his opinions on incest were so shocking. And every single one of those 175,000 people were responsible for that judge being demoted in the, one of the first times in Australian legal history that a judge actually copped a demotion. And so, no, we, look, we have had our problems with the name fighter and I completely understand what you're saying, especially 10 years ago. Everyone was like, oh, these... And, you know, Platinum Mike Perry getting in drunken bar fights doesn't help our cause at all. But, and, and you know what? And it's even the media. Like, you see a UFC fight's come in town. The first clip they play is Nagara Hunt where there's blood everywhere and it's like, oh, come on, that's not us, like, at all. But, you know, it is what it is. We just have to take the good with the bad. And as I said, it, it's part of our mission statement. It's part of who we are. We, we will fight is literally our saying. So, yeah. No, and going back to our original point of this whole podcast is, you know, most fighters, they, they learn to fight, so 100%. they don't fight. But the general public, they just don't see that, exactly. right? They just see, all right, these guys are learning to fight because they want to beat people up. And, yeah. and, and as we stated right at the beginning, that's not the case. Yeah. It really isn't the case. 100%. But, like, uh, yeah, just for the naming rights, as I said, I know what you guys stand for. I just yeah. wanted to know if there no. was any sort of issues, like, you know, Ooh. and especially as a charity – I guess there's a lot of loopholes that you have to go through, especially if you want to be nationally recognised oh, and, yeah. and, and things like that. And I just always wondered, I'm like, were there any problems like in the beginning? You know, like you're pretty well branded now. Um, I think it is well recognised now. I mean, you've got some high profile athletes that obviously um, uh, wear the brand as well. Um, I mean, and as well with that, was it hard to get some of these athletes on board? No. Actually, it's really funny. They they come to us. All of the athletes that have that have ever worn the Fakar logo, and we're so grateful for every single one that has, um, has come to us and said, "Hey, can I help?" And I'm like, "Okay, cool." So you're, you know, Alex Volkanovsky, or you're Ebony Bridges, or you're Beck Rollings. Can you just wear this when you walk out, or you know, just just mention it. And they all have and they've all been amazing with their time. And, you know, Martin Ewan used to be with us. And as I said, Volkanovski now and um, Jake um, Jake Matthews down in Melbourne, he's making some serious noise in the UFC and he's wearing the patch with pride. So, no, they come to us because they're awesome people and they want to help and they want to give back. And I find that that's very indicative of the whole martial arts and the whole fight community is everyone wants to give back and everyone wants to do something with their status or with their um, with their ability, not just in the cage. And because you've got some of these high-profile athletes, as you said, Volkanovski, he's the champ, right? He's the world champ right now. So Absolutely. Do, you, do, you, do you ever feel like you're going to drop the last A of fucker and, 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 and just make it against child abuse and turn it into a global brand? Or do you think you're always going to just concentrate it on, on a national level? Okay, so this is a really great question and it's something that we've um, been debating for a while now. There originally was a Fighters Against Child Abuse America 
New Zealand and UK and Ireland. And they've all dropped by the wayside um, through various reasons. Um, the 501 accreditation in America, for example, is insane. And they just have the hardest time holding onto it. Um, and the UK guys, you know, life took a different turn, blah, blah, blah. But no, look, um, I think we're going to stay Australian. Um, I think we're going to stay with Australian athletes and Australian programming. We've got like um, a, a FACAR approved school in Papua New Guinea, for example, and we've got four in New Zealand. And, um, you know, they're all self-referral based. Like if someone, if, if they get someone who comes to them, we'll say, yeah, absolutely, here's some gear, some, some gloves, kickers, you know, that sort of stuff. Here's a uniform. And we'll send it all over to them quite happily. Um, but no, we're, we're pretty much going to stay in Australia on Australian um, branding. And I know you said that your your whole mission is to end child abuse on a national level. Yes. Do you think that is, I mean, obviously you've got to always aim for that, but do you think that'll ever be 100% possible? Or do you think you're, you're, you're fighting like an unwinnable battle in, in a sense? Not in my lifetime. Not a chance. Uh, it's just too ingrained at the moment, and and I can say that as someone whose whose whole goal is to end it. Um, however, I I believe within the next my, my son's generation or perhaps the generation after, I be, I'm a big believer that we can take it out. And you know, people say stuff like, "Oh, but it's you don't know what goes on behind closed doors." That's true. That's absolutely true. That's why we have a multifaceted approach. We don't just heal the survivors. Um, and help them to, to break the cycle with the martial arts programs. We also change the laws, or help to change the laws, rather. Um, we go, we sit before committees, and there'll be a law review, for example. Um, there was a recent one on the forensic patient, which means people who have pled guilty by reason of mental deficit. Um, and they were getting declared not guilty by reason of mental deficit. Um, we sat on a panel that changed those words to say guilty but not responsible okay and it seems like a, i'm playing semantics but that's a big thing for someone whose whose mother was murdered for example they want to hear the word guilty and then they they feel a bit more empowered they feel like that was actually worth going to court and getting grilled by the prosecutors and things like that uh, we also changed the way that kids give evidence now in new south wales and pretty soon victoria and south australia there's the children's champion program or it's now going to be known as the witness intermediary program where they don't have to get grilled like we were seeing six-year-old girls getting grilled, destroyed on cross-examination by defence barristers who would literally sit there and go, so where, so you can't even name a day, you don't know what day this happened to you, how can you, how can you say it happened to you? You're lying, you're making this up. And then before they know it, they're, they're broken down in tears and they can't give their testimony. And so that testimony gets thrown out and therefore the case gets thrown out now their testimony is read by a witness intermediary who just stands in court and reads the testimony. And it doesn't matter what the what tactics are used by the the barristers, it, they can't attack the witness anymore. Um, the judge, for example, has to take his robe, his, his wig and his robe off and just be in street clothes. Um, little things like that make a big difference to a child who's been traumatised, who's giving evidence. Um, we're really, really proud of that. And, you know, there's other facets to what we do as well. We also, um, we find that bullying can be a big starter of abuse. Uh, if you, if people get victimised by bullies, then, you know, victimisation can continue. So we say, okay, well, let's, let's stop the bullying. 
Um, so we go into schools with New South Wales Police or Victorian Police and they talk about the practical side of bullying, you know, walk away. You can get charged now for bullying. Um, a ten, you know, anyone 10 years or older can actually be charged formally with uh, assault and stuff like that. But does that does that still um, work on a different level because they are minors as well? Oh, absolutely, yes, yeah. But it's funny, um, one of the officers I work with said that he had to go into a school recently and um, he he had to, quote-unquote, arrest a 10-year-old. And he said he's never seen a kid so scared in his life. He sat him down in the station and gave him the whole scared straight angle and he said it worked like a charm. He said the kid hasn't done anything since. Um, but that's kind of their goal. I don't really think they intend to arrest 10-year-olds for being 10-year-olds. I think that they just intend to give them a bit of scare. And But there's new laws coming out every day around bullying. And the fact is we just don't know about them. And so, yeah, that's kind of like the multifaceted approach to Fakar. We don't just have one thing. We're not just the guys that put people into martial arts. Nice. And and our schools, like how does it all work? Do you approach the schools or do the schools come and approach you? Okay, so we initially thought that we could approach the schools and say, hey, we've got this free anti-bullying program with New South Wales Police. Hey, jump on board. No. The, the school principals just shut us down left and right. They were, they were literally, oh, we don't have a bullying problem. And it's like, we're not saying you do. We're saying that you want to be proactive and, and stop it. Uh, but no, 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 we got shut down left and right. So what we do now is we let the police handle that. We let the, the youth liaison officers ring the schools and, and they take care of all that and all I do is show up and teach. So, yeah, it's, it's good working with the police force because that's their full-time job is to get out there and, and raise awareness. And do you do, like, uh, any sort of after-school programs? Um, it depends on the... Uh, a lot of FACAR-approved schools do. A lot of FACAR-approved schools work with work very closely with the schools and do after-school care, and but they do, like, a martial arts camp sort of thing on two or three days a week. It just depends on the school. Um, a, a lot of them doing that and a lot of them aren't but yeah just depends on the school but there's a lot of Fakar approved after school care stuff yeah and going back to obviously when i asked you about why your dad got you into yeah. to martial arts do you um deal with uh just kids that are getting bullied or do you deal with i guess uh bullies in general as well like and and what i mean by that like do you um deal like say with juvie and 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 things like that um Thing that comes to mind, uh, I don't know if you've seen it. I'm sure you have. Once, once we're warriors, the the yep. kid that gets sent away, yep. and then obviously they use comes martial arts harder. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, do you do you only deal with with the the bullied, or do you actually deal with the bully bullies? Wow. Um. To kind of a maybe shift their mindset, but um. You know. Um. No, you you're dead on the money, mate. This is a really good question. Um, okay, so what we do is we take the whole peer group, okay? Uh, we take everyone in the year, and but we actually get the principal to cite the ones that need the help, okay? Now, we don't say victim or bully or survivor or bully or whatever. What, because we realised a long time ago that no one wakes up, like a no 10-year-old no or 12-year-old kid wakes up and goes, you know what, I'm going to mess with, you know, Dennis today. I'm going to make Dennis's life absolute hell without some sort of provocation, without some sort of reason. And so we found that pulling the victims or survivors out 
and giving them their own little program was just making things worse because suddenly it's more jealousy, it's more envy, more anger towards that particular child. Like little Dennis, I pick on him and now he's going away and he's getting a martial arts program. What, where, what about me? You know, my, my dad's picking on me, my brothers are picking on me. What about me? And so it just creates tension and it's unnecessary. So we take the whole year, we, we identify the ones that, that need the extra help and we, we give them the extra tuition, uh, the extra support. And it, it's worked amazing. Uh, and, and Liverpool is, is, is a bit of a rough area at times and we've done really great wonders with the local Liverpool schools. I'm, I'm incredibly proud of what we've done in there. Well, it's 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 amazing because uh, before the podcast, I spoke to you about a good friend of mine that um, I worked with a couple of weeks back, and it's it's the same kind of thing, which Absolutely. is the, the Liverpool Street Uni, and um, I just find it amazing that you guys are running programs out there. That I, I, once again, I, I don't know why Liverpool is is the area because I I personally don't spend that much time out there, but. Uh, um, and also on the same token, I see another uh, a lot of other areas that I kind of go, well, this would actually be a really good thing to hear. But it, it seems that all you guys out there are like coming up with these ideas of actually getting the kids and the community involved, which is kind of crazy. Um, but I, I, I guess uh, one, one of the other things is like what you obviously run different modules or different programs as well, correct? Well, yep, absolutely. So the Phoenix program is the one is the program you're talking about with the different modules. We have the martial arts tuition. Uh, we also have drum and bass. We have dance, gymnastics, anything that we can get the survivors and their families moving, because we're very big believers in moving, being a, and and doing exercise as a way to overcome trauma and a way to overcome mental health issues like depression like anxiety like anger so gymnastics is a great one dance is awesome uh, we even have a cheerleading we even have a pro wrestling school signed up that gets kids doing like hero courses where they just get out and get to live their dreams they get to record a promo they get to get in the ring and bump around with a pro wrestler and just stuff like that anything that sets goals anything that that helps them achieve a dream of becoming something that they're not currently and but can be but a lot of the time we find kids will say oh I didn't think I could and I say well why not well because I'm not coordinated or I, I can't catch a ball or things like that and it's like well mate have you ever tried like has anyone ever sat down and thrown a ball to you and, and shown you and you know six months later they're throwing the instructors around or they're they're dancing on their first recital or they're they're, they're graduating at gymnastics um, grade four or something like that and it's just it's amazing just this sense of achievement and the, the I can attitude that they come out with of all of the of all of the activities is just amazing yeah I mean and and sometimes it's also like you know a lot of kids uh, and and this is from all walks of life uh, you know sometimes they just also need to have someone else believe in them right absolutely be, be, because i find you know uh, sometimes you know in in some families they they you know they might have a domestic issue yeah. but in other families even when there's no domestic uh, issue you know dad's working 80 hours a week yeah. this and that and and all of a sudden the kids just at home with no one actually pushing them 
in sort of the right direction. But you also work with the uh, quite closely with the police, not yep. with the police. Do you ever, um, or have you ever considered, or do you ever have programs? And I guess this is uh, more so on on the token rather than having these kids go into the system, mm. right? Um, you know, like with adults, sometimes you have plea deals, yeah, and it's like you know you do this, and yep. and do you do that with the police and the kids? Like for instance, like say there there, there, there was some kid and he and he's committed, hopefully nothing major. Yeah, um, do they ever like go listen, get enrolled into one wow. of these courses with you, right? And it potentially saves you from having this on your record because the thing is, like I find. Once people are in the system, it's very hard to get back out, yeah. right? And that, and that's kids, adult or whatever because, um, you know, I, I have this discussion with a couple of friends of mine a lot. Uh, say we'll go with adults even. You know, you go behind bars for whatever reason and you come out and you, you, you want to go on the straight and narrow and you go for your first job interview and they straight away ask, have, have you got a criminal yes. record? And as soon as you say yes, right, you, you automatically go to the back of that pile. Yes. And then it gets to a point where you're like, okay, well, I've been to 20 job interviews. They've blackballed me. Um, I, need, I need to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only option I have now is to go back to what has basically got me blackballed in the first place. Yes. Um, so, and I think, you know, it's important to try to nip that in the butt at a young age. Absolutely. Um, because... You know, sometimes as kids we're a little reckless um, in the sense we, we we just don't know the uh, the you know the the biggest scope of what this will happen because as you're young you you're like ah nothing can stop me I'm I've got the whole world at my hands and and so forth so have you got any any sort of programs like that where once again like I mean if if it's like a a major case I'm sure there's probably nothing you can do but say like a, a kid gets done I don't know for shoplifting or I don't know like and they go listen. You either go to juvie or we're going to send you to this program and, and you know, hopefully that'll teach you to go in a straight and narrow and, and give you that extra shot. Once again, you're, you're right on the money and you're reading my mind actually because that's something we're working on right now. We're working quite closely with the Department of Justice and the Victim Service Department to try and curb the flow of repeat uh, cycles is I, I guess we're trying to work out ways to break the cycle of child abuse. So survivors of child abuse will often, um, and, and not always, but often self-medicate. Okay, so they, they're going through trauma, they see visions, they see horrible things every time they go to sleep, so they just want to be sleeping without dreams, for example, is one quite common uh, statement. And so they'll start, they'll start down the path of illicit drugs. They'll start down the path of what can knock me out. Like, I just, I just need to sleep. Um, or they'll start down the path of I need money for drugs and, and, and alcohol. And look, I'm not forgiving the, the petty crimes associated with drugs and alcohol at all. People have a choice, absolutely. And, but what I am tr- saying is if that's where we can step in uh, as a charity. We, we have a mentorship program and we have amazing mentors like the best of the best who will who are willing to sit down with these kids and say hey you know um maybe jacking that car is not the best idea maybe you know taking that point it might not be a good plan right now you know maybe we can get you clean maybe we can we can help you out and as i said we're currently working with the department of justice and the victim services departments on proposals 
And it's at the stage where we're literally hashing out which crime we can help with and which crime we can't. So, yeah, once again, you've, you've read my mind and, and looked into my playbook, which is great. But, yeah, um, that'll be happening hopefully start of next year. We'll have, we'll have the FACAR mentorship program opened up and we'll be training our mentors in every aspect of how to talk to survivors, you know, what happens if there's a meltdown happening, um, how, to, what, how to handle disclosures, which means if they start saying, hey, this happened to me and I haven't told anyone, um, all of those aspects. But, yeah, that, that's next on the books is the mentorship program. And, and what are the steps that you still need to take to get it to, to that point? Okay, so we need to get our training approved, um, as in we can't just be like, hey, Dennis, here's a little 15-year-old rapscallion. Give him some lessons because that rapscallion could turn around and, and try to hurt you. That rapscallion, could, could, you could not know and just put your hand on him and that could trigger a, a full-blown PTSD episode um things like that dealing with triggers how to handle meltdowns how to handle um disclosures is another big one like a lot of our instructors when we first started would ring me and say hey listen um man i I don't know what to say he just started talking and it's like that's cool let him talk oh but what if i say the wrong thing no no you're fine let him talk let him talk let him talk it out um write stuff down don't record anything because otherwise it's completely immiscible um, and don't coach them, just ask them what happened. Get when, when, where, how, take it to the police station and let them take over, you know. Little things like that that most people don't know how to handle, we have to train our mentors on how to handle. So it has to be like an advanced level of, of instructor. But, that, but I guess that comes naturally to you because yeah. you've studied that, right? Exactly. You, you did your whole diploma. Yes. Um, so does that mean like as, as you sort of grow and, and get these more instructors, mentors, uh, I, is it going to get to a stage where they will also have to have that kind of study behind them as well? Yes. Yeah, to become a FACAR approved school in not very long time will require more than a working with children check and a will to help. It will require you to sit and we're currently in the process of recording the videos and all that sort of stuff where you've got to sit down and watch a, an instructional video on how to handle disclosures, on what not to, what to do, what not to do. And we're, we're going to take all that online very shortly and it's going to be a lot bigger than it's ever been. But yeah, as I said, it's been challenging, but the, um, the isolation has really given me time to expand and, and perfect what we're doing. Yeah. And when, when the kids do open up and, and, and talk to you, like, is there, um, what could I c- compare it to? Is it, is it like a doctor? Is there some sort of confidentiality as well? Or is it like if they open up to you, you, you need to, like, bring that, bring that out? Okay, so as an instructor, well, I'm what's called a mandatory reporter. So I'm one of the people who doesn't have a legal right to hide information or not tell information is probably the best way to put it. Um, that was one of the new laws that, that Fakar actually helped bring in is the mandatory reporting laws. Um, and I don't know if you've seen the controversy over it. The, a lot of churches are saying, well, if it's done in the seal of confession, then we won't report it. Um, that was one of the things that we really argued against. Um, but as a mandatory reporter, I have to go to the police and say, hey, they've disclosed this on this date and this is their name and number. Can you get in contact with them? But do you think it could also work against you in the sense of um, people might not want to disclose anything to you? And, and, and I say that because 
obviously uh, taking them back to the yeah. doctor you know like sometimes you know people are when the yeah. doctor says you know have you been taking drugs or whatever like yes. they're quite happy to talk about that um purely because they know that they have that thing where it can't get out uh in, yes. into the open so if these kids know that you have to report it uh is there a chance that that could flip on you in, in, in the sense of that they'll be like well i I need someone to talk to, but I don't want to talk to you because I know you're going to go to the police. Yeah, uh, look, and that is the problem. There is no confidentiality for instructors and we can't not report something. So, yeah, there is that flip side of the coin that maybe they're not ready to report it. But the bond between instructor and student is, is quite strong, we find. And so we find that quite often they will just end up disclosing, particularly to the instructors, particularly if they're a FACAR-approved instructor. Um, we, we've had quite a few instructors come back to us and say, oh, what, what do I do here? You know, that sort of thing. And look, it's very, very simple. You don't record it. You don't, you, you write down details that you might forget and you just go to the police and you say, hey, this is their name, their number. Um, and let the police handle all the recording and everything like that. But simple things like that, we have to make sure that everything's above board, if that makes sense. Um, and so, yeah, it is a process, and it, it is a forever evolving. And it's in a and but yeah, we're about to start all of that very, very shortly. Okay, and then I guess now we'll flip it to the other side of what you guys do, mm -hmm. which is you know you you have all these help programs for the kids yeah. and, and so forth. But I know, uh, obviously, watching all your social posts and stuff like that, you're you're very big on on. Um, I wouldn't quite say naming and shaming, but it kind of is 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 you know, yeah. putting out people that whether you, you find that it's been unjustified on, on the, the terms that they've been given or yep. they've been released early. Um, what is your dealings with all of that sort of things? Okay, so the social media awareness campaign w w was started out of the contacts Facebook page that, that I started to try and just bring people together. And um, the funniest thing was people kept saying, and to this day they still say it, not on my street. It doesn't happen here. Um, that was the classic. Oh, it doesn't happen here. It only happens in you know the lower socioeconomic places. Then and it's like really well, this is Vaucluse, and this happened there yesterday, um, and things like that. And, and so that's what the social media awareness campaign does. It raises awareness. It's not a, a name and shame, but it kind of ends up doing that regardless. And people go, oh my god, that guy lives around the corner from me, and it's like, well, yeah, you don't know. And you don't know that the kid that lives around the corner from you could be suffering, could could be trying to reach out. The, the kid that you walk past and you see him staring out from their balcony could be literally just screaming, help me. And people are like, oh, but that only happens in America. And that stuff, that's, 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 not, that's not Australian. And, well, yeah, actually here it is right here, you know, Westride. Bang. Um, and, and so what we're trying to do is we're not trying to name and shame as much as we're trying to shock people into the fact that it's happening on their very street. It's happening in their neighbourhood. And we're not trying to scare people like, oh, hide your kids. No, no, no. We're trying to say it's happening. Be aware. Be vigilant. And if you see something, say something. If you see something, do something. You know? And that's why we do the posts on, on signs that a relationship might have turned violent signs that a child is being groomed, signs that someone is coming online and trying to talk to your child. All of these little things, like, people don't even realise. And then we get comments like, oh, my God, my son has, like, a $14,000 um, Minecraft account and I have no idea where he got the money for it. 
And it's like, okay, you might need to look into that because someone is buying those credits. Or my son has all of the latest Fortnite accessories and I didn't buy it for him. And it's like, well, okay, you might want to look at, you might want to watch him play. Maybe just sit down and play with him one day and see who pops up, see if a, a regular chat starts up. Something like that, you know, um, and, and they're very insidious now. It's gone are the days of the dirty old man hiding behind a, a tree in a trench coat. Now they're quite insidious. Now they're talking on their WhatsApps because they know it's secure and they're, they're saying, oh, what's your, what's your phone number? I'll add you to WhatsApp. And then it'll be, oh, just, just, just don't tell mum about this conversation. Whatever happens, just don't tell mum. And then, okay, you haven't told mum, great. So now I can buy you something. And now I can start the process. And there's, there's literally handbooks out there on how to do this. And it's, it's really, really bad. And people come to us all the time and they say, I didn't know that. And it's like, great, you do know now. So now you can stop it. And that's, it, it's, all, it's all aimed, the social media awareness campaign isn't a name and shame page, it's an awareness raising. We want people to know the realities of child abuse in Australia and we also want them to know how to stop it. And that's why there'll be, you know, four posts on this is happening here, this is happening here. And then there'll be one post on, okay, this week's topic, domestic violence. You can spot it, you can stop it. If you're, like on Friday night, it was 10, ten signs your relationship is turning violent. And we had people in inboxes and say, oh my God, I wish I saw that before. Because they'd never hit me until this one. Or they used to hit the walls and they never ever once hit me. And we deliberately keep things genderless. We keep, we, we keep you know, identification out of it quite deliberately because we don't want certain survivors to feel like, oh, they're not talking about me. No, no, we're talking about everyone. You know? So we keep things as unidentifiable as possible. And, um, yeah, the amount of people who have come to us and said, I couldn't believe that, but I knew that guy or I went to high school with that guy or I went to – or that, that girl babysat my kids – and now she, you're saying she's doing this. Oh my god! And I was like, yeah, sorry, man, but have a chat with you. Have a chat with your baby girl. You know? And is it just a, a matter of awareness, or are you actively trying to, I guess, put some of these guys back in? Okay, so yeah, that's the secondary goal of some of the the awareness posts. Is okay. So this guy just did perfect example. Ninety thousand child exploitation videos and, um, and images were found on a guy heading towards Thailand on his way out. Australian Border Force, I've got to give them credit where it's due. They do an amazing job to stop child exploitation material. This guy got uh, a two-month wholly suspended sentence. So even if he messes up, he's only doing eight weeks. Now, each one of those 90,000 images and videos is a real child being really hurt in the worst possible way. So, yeah, we then put up a stock standard letter, dear Attorney General of um, Queensland. Um, here's her address. You know, she's, uh, um, thank you for taking the time to read this. Um, RE, the person who did 90,000, blah, blah, blah. We, I, as a member of the Fighters Against Child Abuse Australia charity, I would like it overturned. I would like you to appeal it. Um, and, you know, sign, sign thanks. Yours sincerely, thank you, Yvette Diath. Bang. Send that across. And, you know, Yvette Diath got like 14,000 emails overnight. And it was, okay, so I'm going to appeal that now. And it's like, well, thank you. That's exa And so, yes, there is the secondary cause of if they get a sentence that's a, an, an, a, 
a slap in the face to survivors everywhere, then we will start a campaign, quite active. And, but that's because everyone comes to us and they say, Adam, stop posting this stuff without telling us what we can do about it. We, 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 we read this stuff and it disheartens us and, and we, we want to help but you're not giving us options. So now there's always an option. It's this is the local member or this is the, the attorney general in charge. They can appeal it. They've got 72 hours. You better get your emails in quick if you want them to appeal it. So, yeah, there is a secondary. Um, we, we have been quite successful at having a lot of really lenient sentences overturned or, or tripled in one case. <laughs> so, yeah. And when we're talking about rehabilitation of, of the kids, yes, do you think the offenders can be rehabilitated like do you do you think like it is a case of you know they've done their time they come out or or obviously they have to be in the registry but like do you think that more could be done there um you know whether i don't know house arrest uh, ankle bracelets i i I don't know or 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 do you think that people can come good do you think it's something that's ingrained into someone's mentality or do you think it's something that as i said like even like you know, as we were talking before, yeah. kids that go off the, the, the wrong path, yeah. you can kind of guide them back in. What are your thoughts on that? Okay, so um, after working with hundreds of survivors of child abuse and hearing their stories and, uh, and thousands of inboxes from survivors of child abuse and their stories and working directly with a lot of them, I don't believe once a child is sexually assaulted that 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 person can go back. Um, I, I, I have a theory around it and I've spoken to a lot of psychiatrists about it and they, they're kind of thinking I'm, I might be on the right track, but the, the ego required to hurt an innocent in that way is, is amazing. You, and your ego has to be so badly damaged that you would want to fill it or prop it up with such a horrendous act of destruction and violence and once you cross that line that your ego will never be sated by anything but that so no i don't believe child abusers can be rehabilitated i guess the only reason i ask is like when you look at say murder murder cases right like you'll have one one person that goes to to um court and Mm -hmm. prison for murder and They'll be okay with it, and I guess they go into the pile of psychopath. Yes, you will get the other person that will show a lot of remorse. Yes, so same same thing, two different people, same kind of thing. Crime. And I and, I, and yeah. I guess it, flipping it onto that side, you don't think there could ever be a case where someone will realize that they've done something wrong and and show remorse and try to seek help. Even like I'm not saying that they come out of jail and 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 they're like, all right, I'm done. Like it would. Once again, take a lot of counselling and, and all that, yep. but you don't think that could no. ever be the case? So with child sexual assault, I don't believe they can be rehabilitated, no. Um, I've, I've spoken to prison guards, I've spoken to, um, I've, I've spoken to police commissioners, I've spoken to so many people and there, there are crimes that are grey, like murder, oh God, and I'm, I'm going to sound really controversial for saying this, and, but that's cool. Um, murder, I believe, can be grey. I believe you can be forced to murder. Okay, I believe. Okay, you're or hurt. crime of passion. As exactly. Sometimes say. Yes, absolutely. I believe that you can be pushed, and and there's extenuating circumstances around murder. Now, child sexual assault is completely different, in my opinion. And and as I said, this is just my opinion, and people can feel free to disagree with me. But um, 
once you make that decision, because it's a decision, it's, it's a, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to overpower. I'm going to hold down. I'm going to force. Once they make that decision and they go through with the act, I, I don't believe there's any coming back. And, and that, as I said, is very controversial, but I, I'm a big firm believer that child abusers, and particularly child sexual assault, can never be rehabilitated. It's just not something I believe they can come back from. So what's the resolve on it? Like, in your, in your opinion, do we just lock them up for, for, for life? Yeah, I honestly believe in that because the, everyone screams death penalty um, and historically speaking, Australia has had bipartisan support for the death penalty never coming back. So I honestly believe that the only option is to imprison them for much, much longer than they are. Funny story, in every single state, the, the recommended sentence for a, a, the rape of a minor under the age of 10 is 25 to life. The average sentence is eight months if they get a recorded sentence. So the problem isn't the legislation. The, the problem is the judges handing out light sentences which is where the FACAR social media awareness campaign steps in because if we hear about it, we will be on it and we will get the Attorney General's attention brought to it quick. So, but yeah, the long, they need much, much longer prison sentences and they need judges with the courage to stand up and say, no, no, I, I know that this isn't with the quote-unquote norm, but you need the 25. You need to stay in there. And look, it's happening. Um, South Australia's had... Had a, had four prisoners marked never to be released, and and that sound or well, only four, but that's very big, um, considering that the level of of recidivism they have the the, the repeat offences that have to be done for them to get a never to be released stamp on their file is huge, um, but they're doing it more and more. South Australia is leading the way. Uh, New South Wales is following suit. Um, I, I believe New South Wales has the best Attorney General in the country, if not the best Attorney General ever. Um, Mark Speakman, he's an amazing advocate for children and he's he's not one of those politicians who's what I call a four-year poly, who's in there to only get re-elected and to continue his job. Mark Speakman's in there to do a, a job. He's getting it done and um, he's changing the laws now and Christian Porter, the federal attorney general, has just brought in uh, mandatory sentencing for federal child abusers, which means they've crossed state lines or they've uploaded it to a certain amount of websites or something like that. Um, and so that's awesome. So we are seeing the change happening. Every single day we're seeing change upon change. So we're definitely heading in the right direction, but we just need more of it. And I guess as well, fighters against child abuse, yeah. um, isn't just for the fighters, as you said. Hell like no. it, it's more about what what a fighter represents. Absolutely. So for for your general population, what is it that myself or 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 Joe from down the road or you know your 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 average Joe can do? Like how how can they help the cause? Um, There's so many ways you can jump on the Facebook page, the Instagram page. You can watch the pages every week I'll put out two or three posts where I'll say you can do this to directly affect this decision you can let your local member of parliament know that you're a proud fighter against child abuse and you are here to let them know that you do not like the lenient sentences given to child abusers and you'll find that your member of parliament will completely agree with you <laughs> um, and that's what I've I've been out and, and seen 
dozens of members of parliament, state parliament and federal parliament, and they're all in agreement. They, they know that it has to stop and they know that the leniency has to stop. And so, you know, you can get out there, you can talk to them, you can ring and make a phone call um, to your local member or you can ring and make a phone call to your federal member. We regularly put up um, details on how to do that on the social media awareness page. Um, and you can even help us out with the legal reform campaign, the Julia's Justice campaign. We're always calling for submissions. Um, hey, we're going to help fight this law. Uh, for example, the next one we're doing is the murder law. Should it be a mandatory 25? Um, thing, little questions like that, we'll always ask them on the social pages and put your input in. And look, we call ourselves the voice for the voiceless, so you can absolutely have your voice heard with Fakar. And um, I did read in some sort of document that I found that you, you think that Australia is doing a good job in comparison to other first world countries, USA, UK, but it also states in that same sentence that a lot more can be done. Absolutely. What is it that can be done that isn't being done already? Okay, so the biggest thing that Australia needs to do is stop this stacking sentences. Okay, it's, it's congruent sentencing. It is a, it's an antiquated system that needs to go. It should have gone in 1864. And it's, what happens is you could go out right now and in one spree abuse 10 kids, right? So you will get two years for each kid. You won't do 20, you'll do two. Um, and that's in America they've changed that in America you get each charge stacked on top of the other and that's why you see 140 year sentences for child abusers we need that in Australia we absolutely need that that's the first problem but in terms of uh, in terms of services in terms of ability to help the survivors in terms of giving um, seeking justice where we really do lead the world um, but yeah as I said there's a lot more that needs doing all right, and before we start to wrap up, um, I just I was hoping that we could talk ab about a few of the fights, which obviously yeah, we, we are running out of time. Absolutely. But being that the um, we'll, we'll bring up the one fight, which is obviously Alex's fight. Yep. Um, just because obviously he represents yep. um, fighters against Child Abuse Australia. How did you see that fight? How did you score it? Um, I yeah, what, it are, what are your three, thoughts? four, and five? Three, four, and five, Alex. And look, I know that's controversial as well. Um, and we were getting into this exact discussion in, a, in one of my morning kickboxing classes that, that I run at KMA. Um, and everyone was saying one and two, one and two, one, one, two, and three and a half. And I said, absolutely, maybe one, two, three and a half. But is, is three and a half enough to get the title off the champion? No. No, it's not. Go back in history and watch every fight, every GSP fight. He did enough to keep the belt. And Alex definitely did enough to keep the belt. But four and five were way Alex. It was, it was insane. And yeah, one and two, he got rocked a couple of times. And full credit to Holloway, my God. Talk about uh, changing his whole game plan. You know, Alex worked those leg kicks hard in the first fight and he could barely land them in the second fight. So, you know, full credit to Max for coming out and, and fixing the gaps in his, in his system. But... No, nah, definitely. Volkanovski, three, four, and five for me. Yeah, see, and, it, and it's funny because, you know, you, you, you do have that debate and I, and I find that, you know, if you give them two and a half rounds each, just yep. say, yeah. 
um, there is a thing that they always say as well as stealing the round. So if he was good for two and a half, but that last half, yep. Volkanovski turns it on, he kind of stole it. Yeah. Um, and, and on that as well, you look at the stats that they've officially released now. Um, uh, Max actually did throw a lot more. Yes. Uh, but at a low, lower percentage. Yes. Which means he didn't hit him as much. So... There are different ways to debate it, but I just always like to have that mm. little bit of debate. No, you know? absolutely. Um, I, I didn't find it controversial in the sense of I would have been happy for it to go either way, mm. right? So I, I thought it was close enough to actually say, you know what, if it went to Max, I would have been like, well done to him. Yep. If it went to Alex, I kind of went, well done to him. Obviously, being the Aussie, I'm, yep. I'm happy that Alex was yep. able to keep it. Absolutely. But I, I didn't actually think it was like a highway robbery as everyone's been kind of saying. <sighs> I didn't. It, I don't think it's anywhere near that controversial, to be honest. Like you said, it could have split. It could have literally gone one, two, three and a half, Holloway, three and a half, four, five, Volkanovski. But then it all comes back to the champ will retain in that sort of situation. The perfect example is Martin Newen versus Bibiano. Um, Martin, I still feel did enough to get him. Hastafari um, was in that corner screaming the whole time, and um, I felt like Martin got it, but the champ retained. And so that's kind of the, the historical um, you know, backing. But, yeah, no, as you said, I would have been, if it was Max, I would have been, okay, cool, Holloway's champ, Volkanovski will get the third, you know. Um, but, it, no, I, I honestly believe he did enough to keep the belt. And I don't, yeah, I don't see it as highway robbery or anything like that. But, yeah, absolutely agree. Nice one. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up now anyway, um, unless there's something that you still want to... No, no. No, you're good. Yeah. Um, so I guess this this is probably the moment where I, I always give you an opportunity, um, you know, in, in case people want to reach out to you on a personal level, um, um, if schools want to reach out to you, yeah. if, if kids want to reach out to you. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess even like, cause I know that you, uh, accept donations as well yeah. and, and things like that. So what is the best sort of places that people can reach you at? And also, uh, you know, for people that are looking for more information, where, where are the best places to kind of like look for the resources? So we've got a website, um, facaaus.org and that's got all of our information on there it's got a donate button if you want to if you want to drop us um a little bit of coin we'd really appreciate it we're entirely volunteer run we we have no government um uh, government funding whatsoever and so everything we do is entirely on private donations all donations over two dollars are fully tax deductible as well so if you want to help help out a survivor of child abuse and, and stick it to the tax man we can definitely help you with that one um and that's faca aus.org or you can hit us up on on our facebook page it's just facebook slash facaaus or our instagram page um i answer most of the inboxes we've got a couple of volunteers that help us out with those on facebook but yeah if you want to speak directly to me just say can adam can adam chat with me and and um our triage team will send it straight across into my inbox so yeah well, there you have it. Um, I can't thank you enough as, I, uh, as I'm always appreciative of people that want to come on and have a chat. I mean, today's was a, probably a little deeper than the, the conversations I've had in the past couple of weeks, but um, I, I think it's definitely a voice that needs to be heard. Um, it's, it's something that I, I totally stand behind the brand. And, um, yeah, I, I can't say thank you enough for coming on. And, um, 
you know, uh, if there's anything else we can do or if, if, if there's an opportunity to get you back on at a later stage, I, I think, um, you know, um, we, we will definitely get you back on. But until then, we are done. I'm away. I'm away.